what time it is. It is time for another episode of The Insurance Deal. I am your host, Ellen Deal, and today we are, of course, going to talk about insurance as per the name of the show. A little bit about me for those who are first-time listeners, because this is a new show here on America's Web Radio. I'm Ellen Deal. I have been in the health insurance industry for over 20 years, which I've been told not to say that because it gives a clue as to my age, but I don't care. Uh, Over 20 years, and I have watched our industry dodge Hillary Care. That was 93-94. We dodged that bullet. And I thought, well, good, I've got a place where I can work for the rest of my career and uh, take good care of myself. And things changed when Obamacare came into play and our whole industry got turned upside down. There are a lot of things that people think are good, but when you put mandates on people, you also come into unintended consequences. Uh, So I hopped around different insurance companies over the years and have, through the course of time, met a lot of wonderful insurance agents, brokers, and people that work at insurance carriers across the state. So it seemed perfectly fitting that when America's Web Radio needed an insurance show that I was their gal. So here we are today, the insurance deal, Ellen Deal, and we have our first repeat guest today, the notorious Bert Haney of Haney Health Brokerage. And when Bert was last on our show, we started to go into Bert's top 10 list of how to solve the insurance crisis in America. Well, that was just a short time ago, and guess what? The top 10 list has grown to a top 15 list, but we'll keep the name top 10 just for the sake of that. So Bert got into the insurance industry, oh my gosh, 40 years ago? 42. 42 years ago. And that makes him a consummate professional because he knows everybody and everything. He probably even knows what's going to happen before it happens. Well, the 42 years obviously was before you were born. Oh, thank you very much for saying that. Yes, because I got in the industry when I was two, hence the 20 years of experience. So, well, Bert, um, tell everybody a little bit about what in the world made you get into this industry and what's happened since. Well, I was recruited by a general manager at a company by the name of Mutual Omaha to uh, come in and sell health insurance, and I actually did that for two years. I sold enough business to get promoted into management, and they moved me to Miami to teach a new agent school. Did that for a year. Came back to Atlanta as a district manager responsible for recruiting, training, and retaining of new agents, and did that for another two years. Figured out that I couldn't make a living in management and decided to go back into the field as an agent to sell insurance figured out that a captive situation just wasn't going to work for me where you only had one insurance company that you could uh, represent and Mm. sell for. So I felt like I had to become a broker uh, after seven and a half years of um, being with Mutual and then went out as a broker on my own and have been doing that ever since. 
and now I uh, have uh, an agency. We have seven people on staff. Mm. We have about 200 groups insured and about 1,800 individuals insured. So you yourself are a small business and an employer. Correct. All right. So you not only know everything about individual and how to sell small group, but you have the added advantage of being a small business owner, so you understand the pains that all these regulations have placed on small businesses. So I have to deal with uh, both sides of the problem, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. And um, and you have an all-female staff, too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, we didn't, didn't, didn't just say that. Well, <laughs> I can say it because I'm a woman, right? There you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, all right, so you've got small group business and individuals. Um, but you've got Medicare also, right? Yes, about you know half of our individual book is over sixty-five, and half is uh, under sixty-five. By far, the over sixty-five business is what's growing. The under sixty-five individual business obviously is uh, uh, decreasing substantially because we find that there's just fewer people actually buying health insurance that are under the age of sixty-five. They just can no longer afford the uh, the premium. Yeah. And I think the uninsured population is actually growing, not actually getting smaller. I agree. And if you were listening earlier, you heard me use the term unintended consequence. So whether or not this consequence was intended or unintended, here has what has happened under Obamacare, the Unaffordable Care Act. The idea was that it was going to reduce premiums, which it did not. And what's happening is the premiums are going up so substantially that many families are having to choose between paying their mortgage or having health insurance, which is a tough, tough decision to make. But if you're living on the street and you just you, you just can't do it. So when it comes, when the rubber meets the road, people are having to drop their health insurance. We probably won't get into today what the solutions are to that. I personally have a a few solutions that are going to help people out. Uh, We'll see how we do getting through Bert's top 15, and then we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, Bert, do you want to start at the top of your top 15 or maybe pick up where we left off last time? Well, we started at the top before, and I think we got to like two or three and and (laughs) ran out of time. So I'll just jump right into the middle uh, where we may not have uh, touched on any of these before. Okay. So, again, this is a top 10 list, or at least it started out with the idea of being a top 10 list of how to solve the health care crisis in the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's an ever-growing list. I'd be more than happy to add uh, additional things, items to the list, uh, just from hearing from people uh, that may have uh, their own ideas on how to fix the problem. Before you start in, do you have this list on your website, or do you want to tell people how to get in touch with you? No, they can. uh, It's not on our website, but they can uh, just email me direct at Bert, B-E-R-T, at Haney, H-E-N-E, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, dot com. Okay, So it's just Bert at HaneyHealth.com. So if you are interested in what we're talking about today for individual under 65, Medicare over 65, and small group, Bert is your man. Without further ado, pick a number from 1 to 15. So obviously we've got a problem 
If the public doesn't know it by now, they soon will, because come January 1st, it appears that we will not have any insurance companies left in the state offering point-of-service plans. Mm -hmm. And we may only have two companies left offering HMOs. Right. So one of the things that I would suggest is that if an insurance company wants to come into the state selling group insurance, they need to be required to offer individual coverage as well. In other words, the group business, certainly the large group business, is is profitable, Mm -hmm. extremely profitable for insurance companies. Mm -hmm. They need to help support the individual market as well as the small group market. So if they're going to write any size group, they need to be required to write individuals as well. I agree with that completely, but here's what the insurance companies are thinking. So so folks out there, what Bert was just saying is the insurance carriers that are pulling out of the insurance market, Blue Cross is pulling out of half the state, Aetna Coventry is pulling out of the whole state, Humana, Signal left last year, but these companies are all still writing small group and large group and jumbo group business in the state. But the reason why they decided to leave the individual market was yet again another unintended consequence. What? What are unintended consequences? Obamacare, I hope it was an unintended consequence. If they planned this, then they're not very nice people. The unintended consequence is that the individual market became so unprofitable and these insurance carriers are making decisions for their stockholders, which are people like you and me, except for their insureds are also people like you and me. So as the cost of every individual member went up and up and up on the exchange and off the exchange for individual products, the carriers said, we're not making money in this segment, so we're going to get out. And if you want to talk about why they're not making money, we'll cover this on Bert's list. But the reason why they're not making money is because the people who are sick come on during open enrollment get their coverage, get their care, and then once their treatment is done, they drop off. So, Bert, you were talking about carriers and small group and individual. All right. So the second item I would like to see happen in order to to save the system is for insurance companies to maintain a minimum of an 80% loss ratio. That is actually part of the law today, and what that means is for every dollar that an insurance company takes in, they have to pay out a minimum of 80 cents in claims. That's before any of their overhead expenses. And if insurance companies aren't doing that, they actually have to write a refund check back to the public. And I think you're going to have to look find, look uh, pretty hard to find someone that's actually re, uh, received a refund check from an insurance company for an excess premium. Now, are you talking about the individual market? Or the Correct. Group? Okay, the individual market. So tell people real quick what is already in place in the group market. The group market actually has to maintain an, a minimum of an 85% loss ratio. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, to start with the individual market, they need to continue maintaining that 80% loss ratio. Before healthcare reform passed, we actually had a, a minimum of a 60% loss ratio. And at that point, insurance companies were trying to achieve a 2% 
margin of profit. Once healthcare reform passed and it went from 60 to 80, the goal was for insurance companies to try and, and achieve a 1% margin of profit. Well, obviously that didn't work, uh, and other things need to be done that are on the list to help insurance companies achieve that 1% margin of profit at the same time uh, accomplishing that minimum 80% loss ratio. And for the layperson out there, if I'm dumbing this down too much, you can send me hate mail at idealsolutions at gmail.com. Um, this 80% loss ratio that we're talking about, we're saying for 100% of the money taken in, for every dollar taken in, insurance companies need to pay 80 cents of every dollar out in claims. That leaves them 20 cents or 20% of every dollar they take in to spend on overhead costs, paying their employees, paying the agents and brokers that sell their products, marketing materials, advertising, lawsuits, heck, all kind of things. So that 80% loss ratio means 80 cents on every dollar spent towards your claims. So the third one I would uh, then try and accomplish is this penalty that we keep hearing about that the public would have to pay for not buying insurance. As it stands right now, the public is, is going to be hit with a 2.5% of their income for not buying insurance, or at mm -hmm. least an ACA-qualified plan. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a joke, mm -hmm. because the public has figured out that in most cases, the 2.5% of their income is far less than what the premium would actually be. Mm -hmm. So they're opting to actually you know, pay the penalty in lieu of the premium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we can stay on this penalty topic for quite some time. Um, in the car insurance world, I believe that everyone's required to have at least, is it liability or collision? What's it called? Liability. Liability. Liability insurance. I don't know if there's any way that the government could mandate that. If they could, say, you've got to at least buy some kind of minimum that would help. But we're going to continue talking about penalties right after this sponsor. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com 
anytime you like. Understanding health insurance is becoming more challenging. If you currently have insurance, you've probably noticed that it costs more to see your doctor. And if you're able to keep your doctor, it takes longer to get an appointment. The bad news is this trend is projected to continue. Your costs will likely continue to rise, while your health care choice and access will continue to fall. The good news is Peachtree ENT Center has the answer to this problem. We believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. We are committed to working with you, and we specialize in providing affordable care for patients without insurance, those who are underinsured, and those with high deductibles or catastrophic coverage, and we offer same-day appointments. You no longer have to choose between staying healthy and paying bills because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Insurance Deal. I'm your host, Ellen Deal, and I'm sure you were riveted as you were listening just a few minutes ago to our discussions about the Affordable Care Act, the lack of affordability, the lack of access, and the way that the rates have gone up, up, and, oh, did I mention up? So we are here with our illustrious guest, Bert Haney, who is a, a guru in the, the industry, the sensei of insurance, and we are talking about his top ten list, which is growing as things get worse and worse. So it's grown to a top 15 list. And before we left off for the break, we were talking about penalties and had just gotten to the point of the government has these silly penalties on people that aren't going to incentivize anybody to do anything other than pay the government money, which I'm starting to think that's all that the ACA was designed to do, was to get more money into the government, which, whoops, conspiracy theory, I'll say it, they must have sent to Iran in cash on pallets and a plane. But that being said, you don't have to agree with me, the penalty for not having health insurance, what did it start out at? Uh, yeah, well, I think it was closer to 2%. It's now up to 25 but it has also been a flat dollar amount as mm-hmm. well. But what, what has happened is the certainly the youngest and the healthiest of the population has realized that they're pretty stupid to be buying insurance now that the government has told them they can buy it after they get sick. Mm-hmm. So the public, once they have something diagnosed, is generally waiting till open enrollment, buying their insurance for the first of the year, having done whatever they need done. And as you mentioned earlier, they're just going to drop the insurance for the remainder of the year. Mm-hmm. So the number of insureds uh, looks really high in January, but it's not anywhere close to that number come December because Mm -hmm. everybody would have dropped their coverage by then. So back to this penalty, if it's 2.5% of income, Mm -hmm. again, the the, the public has recognized that they can pay the penalty, certainly if they're healthy, and pay far less out of their pocket versus having paid the premium. So the solution for that would be to make the penalty different for each and every person. 
the penalty needs to be based on whatever the premium, their individual premium would have been, Mm -hmm. and the penalty needs to be more than what the premium is, not less than what the premium is. Okay, hang on. We've got to to split that out because that is brilliant. So in case you were... were hitting your turn signal or tapping your brakes here's what Bert just said rather than a penalty that if you're making a hundred thousand hundred thousand dollars you are paying two thousand five hundred dollars in a penalty for not having insurance if your monthly premium is five hundred dollars which mine is so that's a factual number then you're paying six thousand dollars a year so if you are young and healthy and you're like, well, do I want to pay $6,000 for something I'm not going to use or $2,500 for a penalty? A lot of people are going with the lower cost option, which is the penalty. So $2,500 versus $6,000. Now, what Bert is saying should be done in terms of the penalty to actually incentivize or really the word is penalize, penalty, tax, mandate, all those words are similar. So the idea of the the Burt Haney penalty would actually be to make it so that the penalty is at least as much, if not more than. The penalty needs to be double whatever the premium would have been if they had bought insurance and done the right thing to start with. So, so in, that's enough, in, uh, I think, incentive to get the public to buy it right. if the penalty is twice as much as what the premium would have been Mm -hmm. if they had bought the insurance. Right now, the public is just laughing at at the penalty because it's just a fraction of what the premium would have been. So in in my example, which we can use all day long because I can HIPAA violate myself, if I'm paying $500 a month, which is what I'm paying, and that's $6,000 a year, then you're saying my penalty should be $12,000. Which is really steep. Now, um, is so, that enough incentive to get you to buy insurance? Yes, I would pay the five hundred instead of the thousand. But let's look at a family that's making forty thousand dollars a year. Well, that goes to another uh, point here. That yes, we do need a safety net mm-hmm. in this country to help the public that cannot afford these premiums, and we need to set income levels for certain portions of the of the country different levels depending on where you live that you would then receive assistance in helping you to pay your premium mm-hmm. medicaid is the f- perfect you know stepping stone for that to create a program to help the public pay for their premiums if they're below a certain income level and they cannot afford it so won't that then swamp the medicaid boat Well, we need everybody contributing into the Medicaid system, the federal government, the state government, and I think insurance companies need to contribute also, and then the public, according to their ability to pay, everybody needs to contribute. Well, you just sent me down a whole nother rabbit trail of everybody needs to contribute. When we're talking about illegal aliens, illegal immigrants, undocumented immigrants, call them what you want to call them, if they're not paying into our tax system, then they are a drain on the system. So that being said, how would you structure something so that anyone living, residing in the United States of America that's getting an income, how would you work it so that everyone, because you started with the word everybody needs to pay, but your everybody 
didn't include illegals, did it? Sure. I think, <laughs> like I said, everybody should be responsible for contributing to the system. If they want to take advantage of the system, they need to contribute to the system. Legal or illegal, yes, they need to contribute to the system. And maybe we need uh, providers set up that, let's take, for example, um, an individual goes to medical school mm-hmm. and is financed, or that, in other words, they get a loan. Mm-hmm to go to medical school. Yes. And let's say, for example, when they graduate and they go out and get a job, if they have a loan that is still outstanding, let's say they need to work in a clinic that instead of being paid for working in that clinic, that service is going toward repaying that loan. Okay. And that clinic can be set up in these cities to help treat whether they're illegal or not for the people that cannot afford insurance or or the means of paying that they can go to these clinics because the medical profession is willing to work and support it to help pay off their loans. That's a very interesting approach I have never heard before. So doctors would have their full-time doctor jobs, but then their volunteer time would be at these clinics set up for the purpose of not paying them an additional income, but paying their student loans. Correct. I like that a lot. Um, I still think we need to find something, and we're not here to talk about flat taxes, but I still think we need something in the way of a consumption tax so that when people buy... um, whatever supplies they need to do their job. If it's a painter and he's buying a ladder and paint, the consumption tax would have him paying into our tax system. If it's folks that are cleaning houses for a living, then there's that consumption tax. Dog walkers, well, I guess all they'd be buying would be poo bags. But still, if it's a consumption tax, then everybody is in the game, legal and illegal. That's my personal rant. Where are we on our – are we still on penalties? So, well, we've pretty much wrapped that up. We've gotten three problems taken care of so far. Oh, we're fixing things. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got the main – to maintain the 80% loss ratio. We've got all insurance companies selling. If they're wanting to write group, they have to write individual as well. Mm -hmm. We're going to jack that penalty to two times their individual premium just to force them into the system. And the next one, the big buzzword, is pre-existing conditions. Oh, my gosh, I got pre-existing. Insurance companies do not want to cover pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. The law now requires them to do it. Uh, First of all, to issue the policy regardless of everyone's medical history, Mm -hmm. but to then also pay for their pre-existing conditions. A great idea is just not going to work because, again, you tell the public if your pre-existing is going to be covered, why buy it while you're healthy? Mm -hmm. Just buy it after you get sick. Well, let me jump in with something about pre-existing conditions. Um, You know, you and I have both been in this industry long enough that we understand what the definition is of a pre-existing condition. But here's what um, the Affordable Care Act and I suppose the news media have confused people into thinking, is that if you have a pre-existing condition, it will never be covered and you will never be insurable. That's not what a pre-existing condition is. The way a pre-existing condition works is anything you've been treated for in the last 12 months, 
you would have to wait 12 months before that particular condition is covered. So we'll use diabetes since that's very common. In a situation where a person has not had any health insurance and they're diabetic, in the non-ACA world, if you want to apply for health insurance, you apply, you will have your pre-existing condition, your diabetes, not covered for a 12-month period, but everything else is covered. So then, as a gesture of good faith on your part, because you've stayed in the system, you have paid your insurance for 12 months, at the end of that 12-month period, your pre-existing condition is now covered. So other health issues are covered. And pre-existing is not. Say what you're going to say, Bert, and then I'm going to jump back to something that is a quick solution to this. Well, I agree with that when it comes to the small group market, but the individual market, they would have actually been declined if they had had diabetes. So there are a lot of conditions that would have created the person being uninsurable in the individual market or in some cases permanently excluded or that 12-month wait. All right, folks, let's keep talking about this in just a few minutes after the break. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, welcome back to the insurance deal. I am Ellen Deal. If any of you out there are watching the live video stream that we have going, I hope you can't read lips because I just said something that might not be for human consumption. Um, we are talking about the state of the individual world and what is going on. We're talking about pre-existing conditions. I have been in the health insurance industry for quite a while and can help you or at least direct 
attract you to the kind of people that you need to work with. So if you have questions about individual insurance, Medicare, small group, large group, anything that has the word insurance in it whatsoever, and you have questions, you can email me at idealsolutions at gmail.com, and that's I-D-I-E-H-L, solutions at gmail.com. Um, we have with us uh, guest and future author, oh, Bert Haney of Haney Health Brokerage. And I say future author because I just found out that this fabulous top 10 list we're looking at, which is now a top 15 list, and it's um, apparently set to keep inflating like our government, um, He's going to take this concept and write a book. Let's. Uh, we're going to talk about pre-existing conditions, but tell me real quick, Bert, about what got you thinking to write a book. Well, now you're going to force me to actually write and finish the book. <laughs> Peer pressure. <laughs> That's right. So I talk all day long to the public about these issues and how to correct the problem, and certainly that has been mentioned to me, you know, that I need to get this out on certainly a broader, uh, um, uh, to a broader audience um, of ways to correct the problem. And it's not happening. It's not getting done. We keep going in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the costs are out of control. As we've mentioned before, the problem with health care is the cost of health care, not mm -hmm. who's paying for it. It doesn't matter who's paying for it. If the cost is out of control, we can't afford it. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, writing a, a, a book can reach more people and maybe we can create, you know, a, 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 a tidal wave that can then go to Washington and say, hey, here's mm -hmm. what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Here are the, the various things that obviously they can't uh, come up with to, to correct the problem. Tom Price, if you're listening, we are sitting in your former 6th district right now here on America's Web Radio. I live in your district. Bert, you live in the 6th district, right? Correct. Former district. So we are here. We are smart. We have solutions. Come on. Help a sister out. Um, I, we're going to stay on pre-existing conditions, but let's talk about a couple of things that that can get around the pre-existing condition. Um, there's a, a company that I've interviewed on the show recently called Hip Nation, and what they are is a primary care only concierge type of provider. So for the diabetic, let's say, in the example we were using earlier, you have a diabetic, they they sign up for some kind of coverage that's not ACA compliant, and these things exist. They sign up for insurance that they're going to have a 12-month pre-ex, and then this Hip Nation plan comes in and can handle their primary care of their diabetes for their first 12 months. So a question I get frequently on that is, well, what if you end up hospitalized because of the diabetes? Well, if you did not have any coverage before and now you've sought to seek some non-ACA compliant coverage and you're doing the primary care piece, if you are getting enough primary care, which this Hip Nation is unlimited primary care, then you've got a very, very good chance of staying out of the hospital. If you're seeing your provider and taking your prescriptions and doing what you need to do to take care of yourself. But, Bert, you've probably got some thoughts on that. Well, it all goes back for me, the definition of insurance. Insurance is nothing more than a product to help offset the cost 
of an unforeseen event. And all that I am focused on is a catastrophic situation. I do not want insurance to pay for every little nickel and dime little claim that I have. I don't even know that it should pay for a doctor's visit or a generic prescription. Okay. Uh, I want it to cover the catastrophic. I'm not concerned about a $2,000 bill. Uh, $2,000 bill. I'm more concerned about a $200,000 bill. Okay. And that's what I want insurance to pay for. So if I'm hospitalized or if I, I need surgery, that's what I want insurance for. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know that those type plans are actually designed to cover a catastrophic situation. Yeah, the primary care piece is not, and there are some other non-ACA compliant indemnity plans that that are set up to do a really good job, but until we have more people experiencing this and more positive testimonies, it's, it's going to be hard to say, but there are people out there, you know, like me, that are sick and tired of paying $500 a month, and I'm ready to try one of these other alternate alternative alt left alt right health insurance plans i'm ready to just alt myself out of this thing i'm i've had it with the cost yep. so um pre-existing conditions okay before so, the break we talked about what you know what it really is 12 months without that particular con- condition covered everything else gets covered um and where were you leaving? All right. Off? So in the individual market, we actually had people that were being declined because mm. of pre-existing. We had situations where they would have their pre-existing excluded permanently or a waiting period. But what I'm saying is for those people that have insurance, that have maintained insurance, that have not had a lapse in coverage, should not be penalized moving from one insurance company to another. Right. Therefore, their pre-existing should maintain covered. Yes. But those people that have tried to game the system mm-hmm. by not buying it while they were healthy, right? now that they're unhealthy, they're wanting to buy insurance, should their pre-existing be covered? I don't think so. We, we need to penalize people that are taking advantage of the system. Mm-hmm. So for those people that have not had coverage, we need a waiting period for their pre-existing conditions. We need to charge them a higher premium based on their pre-existing conditions. I agree. Because they were, we need to stop rewarding people in this country for bad behavior. Yes. And that's what we keep doing, especially when it comes to health care reform. You're perfectly fine not buying it. We'll just let you buy it after you get sick. You're home free. We, we've got to stop doing that because that has what's forced the companies out of the market nowadays. So again, we have waiting periods on, on pre-existing anywhere from 12 to 24 months, depending on what the condition is, how, mm-hmm. how s- severe it is, and then a rating. And the rating would then be determined by their pre-existing also, but it only applies to people that purposely did not buy the insurance because they were healthy at the time, and now they're trying to buy it. Right. They're trying to game the system now that something has happened or it's been diagnosed. I agree completely, and if this you know, car insurance analogy isn't worn out enough, if you wreck your car and you don't have insurance, which in the state of Georgia is against the law, so why don't they do it for health insurance? I think they should. If you wreck your car, you cannot then run out to 
Geico or Progressive or any of those places and say, I want to get insurance. Even Progressive, which has such a progressive-sounding name, which means they're probably more lenient than anyone else. Not really. They're not going to cover you. Your car is wrecked. They're not going to fix what's already wrecked ever, ever, even if you wait 12 months to have the repairs on your car. Sorry. The two examples that I've always used as well is uh, the homeowners industry. Mm -hmm. How many people can go out and buy a homeowner's policy on their home after it catches on fire? There is not an insurance company that is willing to do that. But now as a result of reform, the health insurance companies are required to do it, which is now the reason why health insurance companies are no longer in the business. So we we also have the uh, life insurance industry. We can also use as an example how many people can now go out and buy life insurance on a dead family member. No, No, they're not allowing that in the life insurance industry. Why are we doing it in the health insurance industry that's what has destroyed the industry ladies and gentlemen we have just heard a new example because i kid you not i have never heard anybody say you cannot buy a life insurance policy on the dead and it makes sense you can't buy something on something that's already occurred wow 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 so, um, my goodness, so we've got uh, penalties. We, we skipped over tort reform. And um, for, again, for the lay person out there, this is actually something I think I'm pretty good at is making sure folks understand words and definitions. So, tort reform is really having to do with malpractice insurance and lawsuits, right? Correct. So, when you hear the word tort, I don't even know the definition of the word tort. What is that? Something you eat with strawberries and yeah. whipped cream? Tort or tart? Tart. There you go. (laughs) Tart reform. Okay. I don't like strawberries, so I want to reform those tarts so they have blueberries in them. Um, So tort reform. This is the – it affects malpractice insurance, and doctors have to pay a boatload for malpractice insurance. I don't even know the numbers. I know they're frightening. Bert, do you know? Well, unfortunately, I don't think the numbers are quite as bad as they may appear. Mm -hmm. I had a situation once where I had a physician quote a malpractice premium that they said they were paying, and I went to an agency that sold malpractice, and I said, is this possible? I've never heard of a physician paying this much in malpractice premiums. And the the broker selling malpractice insurance knew exactly what was going on and the question he asked me is how many doctors are in the practice oh, that okay. is paying that premium not the individual doctor and that's exactly what it was there were six doctors in the practice mm-hmm. so the premium that i was being quoted mm-hmm. that the doctor was paying was actually one sixth of that number that he was responsible for not that total premium so i don't really think um, uh, that the number is all that realistic mm-hmm. d- depending on on what you're being told so like a group policy on malpractice insurance correct so but what would it be in a calendar year roughly for one well, many years ago, the premium that that the broker actually quoted me was was ten grand a month, a year, a year. That's not bad for six <laughs> doctors. No, no, it was ten grand per doctor. What the uh, doctor was quoting was sixty thousand dollars. 
Okay. So he was wanting, you know, or leading me to believe that he was paying sixty grand a year in premium, but there were six doctors in the practice mm-hmm. that were actually paying the sixty grand. His individual was ten grand. Maybe we should get into selling malpractice insurance. Well, and not just that, but if I were a physician and could pay that premium to generate that amount of revenue, I personally wouldn't have the nerve to complain about it. Mm -hmm. I'd be more than happy to write that check January 1st of every year for my malpractice premium, and I'd keep my mouth shut for the rest rest of the year. Well, we need to, I need to look up then, because I have heard horror stories on the dollar amounts that doctors have to pay in malpractice insurance. So I, um, you know, as lawyers say, don't ask a question you don't know the answer to. I didn't know the answer to the question, and now I'm going to have to Google it later. But when I when it comes to tort reform, I think what needs to happen is that government needs to set a limit mm-hmm. as to what an award can be in the event of a malpractice case. Mm-hmm. And the government needs to sit down with attorneys, with insurance companies, and they all need to put a dollar amount mm-hmm. on each particular situation that would involve a lawsuit. Right. And you just cut out all the time and the expense that if an accident were to happen, you go and you look it up and you say, okay, unfortunately, this is how much uh, this procedure okay. uh, warrants. And here we'll, we'll write you a check for it and, and we'll be done. So almost like an ICD-9 code or a CPT code for payout amounts on malpractice. Correct, because right now it's just an unlimited amount of money. And from one year to the next, it's just spiraling out of control as to what what we can sue for. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right, folks, uh, we're going into our last break of the show, so stay tuned. Come on back, and we're going to keep going down how to cure the health insurance crisis in America with Bert Haney. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps. These are generally benign growths that occur from chronic sinus infection or allergies that are either undertreated or have not been treated at all. 
At Peachtree ENT Center, we specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery and correction of a deviated nasal septum and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office. We use a state-of-the-art equipment so that you can see the problem. You will be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment. We believe in old-fashioned medicine, where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. You can rest assured that all options will be offered before surgery is recommended, because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody. Hello, and welcome back to the insurance deal where we're solving all the problems of the world and insurance. But first, we have to get somebody in the government to listen to us and apply our solutions. So uh, I'm Ellen Deal, your host. We're having a great time here on the insurance deal. My very first repeat guest is Bert Haney of Haney Health Brokerage. And while we were on the break, I just brought up the idea of metal plans or metallic levels. And I wanted to spend a minute talking about why in the heck did the ACA take us from deductible, 80-60 PPO, to this crazy blank metal plans, gold, silver, bronze, where where now members can have an out-of-pocket of 63.50, but with most of the bronze plans, that's $6,350 you have to have out-of-pocket before $1 pays, not including preventive. So how in the heck did they come up with these crazy things? So as you said, it's bronze, silver, gold, platinum. Uh. So what the government said was every insurance company's plans has to fit into one of those four categories. And that's it's what they call actuarial values. So a bronze plan has to meet a 60% actuarial value, all the way up to a platinum, a 90% actuarial value, meaning that it has to pay out in that particular range of a 90% of the actual claim or 60% of the actual claim, 75% if it's a silver plan of the actual claim, expected to pay out as much as those percentages Mm -hmm. in order to fit into that category. But also what happened was even before this got off the ground day one, Mm -hmm. insurance companies recognized that the healthiest segment of the population would buy a bronze plan because they're going to want to pay the lowest premium if they're healthy. The sickest people wanted the platinum plans because it was a richer plan. They'd be willing to pay a higher premium. Mm -hmm. So day one, there weren't even any insurance companies willing to offer a platinum plan. Mm -hmm. They wanted the sickest ones, obviously, to go to some other carrier, and every carrier was saying the same thing. So it was unusual to find even that many gold plans in the market even day one. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, we don't even have any gold plans any longer. Oh, not either. at all. I mean, platinums were unaffordable on day one. Um, gold, I, I sold a couple of gold plans to groups, but those quickly, you know, at the first renewal went out of fashion. Um, and then silver and bronze, pretty much the pricing was so close together that there was no point in really offering silver. I mean, 
It's like it was designed to fail. It was. <gasps> uh, now, these platinum level, these gold plans, we stu- still do have in the group market, but they're long gone from the individual market. Yeah. We, we haven't had them in, in quite a while. Yeah. Now, the, the, the group plans are super confusing because you'll have some plans that you've got a copay for the primary care, not the specialist, or you have to read the, the fine print really closely because it might look like it has a copay and it really doesn't. Goodness me. So, all right, back to saving saving America. Well, let's talk about open enrollment. Okay. So last year we had open enrollment uh, from November 1st through January 31st. Okay. Where anybody could actually sign up for an individual plan or change their individual plan Mm -hmm. from one insurance company to another. Mm -hmm. For some reason, the insurance company or the the government thought it'd be a good idea to move that from November 1st through December 15th. So the government has actually cut open enrollment in half, which I'm sure the public has no idea has happened. Right. And I'm sure they'll start waking up December 16th thereafter thinking that they can still sign up for health insurance and now have missed open enrollment and won't actually be able to buy it until either a qualifying event or the following year's well, open enrollment. Well, then, Bert, you and I are going to have to talk more after the show. For those of you who uh, are out there listening, you're like, what's she going to say next? Bert and I have been talking about an indemnity plan that I have that people can buy. So here's what's going to happen on December 16th. Ellen's going to be a busy girl mm-hmm. talking to people about what's left for them to buy. It's going to be exciting, and that's all I'll say about that. Maybe we'll do it on another episode. Okay. But to continue with open enrollment, what we should actually do is have open enrollment work like our auto tags. Right. Open enrollment should be all year long Mm -hmm. based on your birthday. Brilliant. So open enrollment should be your birth month Mm -hmm. as well as the month before your birth month as well as the month after your birth month. So you actually have a three-month open enrollment period allowing the public to buy it. And it's staggered throughout the year because the insurance companies, they certainly can't handle the crush during open enrollment at the end of every year. That's that's not going to work. And the public, that it sneaks up on them during the holidays and they they miss it so why can't it be all year long staggered around everyone's birthdays i think it's great and what you're saying is more flexible which some people would say is fair fair flexible i don't know Uh, are those the same thing but uh yeah with your your car tag you have um 30 days prior to your birthday and if you don't have it you will get pulled over and get a ticket here in the great state of georgia so i think it's a brilliant idea and it gives people three months to do something about it very nice very nice ready for another one sure all right as you have mentioned the deductibles are too high for most people so not only can they not afford the premium they can't afford to use the insurance because of the deductibles. Yes. I think one thing that would give some relief to that is to make the deductible no longer calendar year, but make it per cause. Hmm. So, therefore, you could lower the deductible 
And if you did have an occurrence during the year, which typically people don't have multiple occurrences, Mm -hmm. they may have only one catastrophic. So let's lower these deductibles back down to the 1,000, the 1,500, or the 2,500, as opposed to the 6,000 deductibles. (laughs) So if we have a per-cause deductible, I think it would lower the premium, and it would actually help the public in the event that they did have that catastrophic, at least their deductible would be lower, and their their uh, premium would be lower at the same time because it's per cause, not right. calendar year. A- and that again, that's the way that auto insurance and homeowners insurance. Imagine works. that. Yeah, I I think that the health insurance industry needs to sit down with some property and casualty brokers and have a chat. Uh, but absolutely, with, if you have a $1,000 deductible on your auto insurance and you have a wreck and you get your car fixed and the next month you go out and you have another wreck, you have another deductible. That makes sense. So, uh, y'all, this Bert, Bert Haney's list of how to cure America's health insurance crisis uh, is brilliant. It is brilliant. Um we are we are getting close to the end here, but let's pick one more. What? Let's cover one more thing. Well, we'll never be able to do justice to the one uh, regarding um, pre-existing conditions mm-hmm. as to whether they should or should not be paid for by insurance. Right. Uh, I actually believe that insurance companies should not pay for preventative care. Okay. If we want a third party to pay for that, then let's go to a different institution and buy preventative care from that organization. Mm-hmm. But by thinking, by the, the public thinking that preventative care is going to save money, I don't really see that it is happening. It certainly hasn't hup, happened up to this point. I think that the more care we receive, there's no question we're going to live longer Mm-hmm. And we're going to be healthier. But living longer does not cost less money. Mm-hmm. Living longer actually costs more money. Yep. And there's many reasons that, that we can go into as to why that's happening. But let's get preventative care. Let's use insurance back to the basics of helping to offset the cost of an unforeseen event. And unfortunately, preventative does not meet that definition. Get it out of health insurance, mm-hmm. put it into another arena altogether, and we could have it covered um, uh, that way. Well, Bert, for governor, if the race wasn't already so crowded, <laughs> um, you guys, uh, it, the time flies here on the insurance deal. We love having you as listeners. Tell your friends. Tell your not friends. Uh, come on back next week. We are here every Thursday at 11. It's the insurance deal. I'm your host, Ellen Deal, and just thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.